A Colorado father won't be charged with child abuse after shooting his pregnant wife and severely maiming his child because the Colorado Supreme Court excluded preborn babies from the child abuse protections. Meanwhile, in Missouri, a Satanist loses her lawsuit, claiming that the state's abortion consent law, which requires pregnant women to be given a booklet on embryology and be given an ultrasound, violates her religious beliefs, that her body is inviolable and subject to her will alone. We will examine why the left must close their eyes and plug their ears every time reality appears or speaks. I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted. Welcome to Unaborted with Seth Gruber. Thanks for tuning in today. I hope you're well, and I hope things are beginning to return back to normal for you, your family, and your career as things begin opening up. Uh, at least here in California, things are barely just beginning to because we have horrible leadership here. But if you are just tuning into the show or you've been listening to it recently and it's been helping you, please consider consider giving us a review and a rating. It really helps us reach more people. Uh, we've been getting more and more young people listening to this podcast and sharing it and getting equipped to defend life. So whatever platform you listen on or if you watch on YouTube, go ahead and give us a subscribe, a rating, and review and tell a friend. So apparently, shooting your preborn child isn't child abuse, <laughs> if that's not a title for our times. Unbelievable story from actually a while back, but back in the news cycle because of an update in regards to a lawsuit. So according to LifeSite News on June 5th, they're covering a story about a father named Andre Jones, who years ago in 2013 shot his pregnant wife in the abdomen with his gun, murdered his wife, severely maimed his daughter, who is now seven years old, and is now making the case that he shouldn't be charged with child abuse because, you know, babies in the wombs aren't persons. So how could he have abused a non-person blob of tissue? So <clears throat> according to LifeSite News, here's what they say. In September 2013, Andre Jones broke into the apartment of Lakeisha Jones, his estranged wife, and shot her in the abdomen. Mrs. Jones, who was 30 weeks pregnant, died from her injuries. Her daughter survived, survived the attack but with severe physical and neurological damage. The child is unable to breathe or swallow on her own and has vision and hearing loss. Mr. Jones was convicted of several offenses, including first-degree murder, unlawful termination of a pregnancy, and child abuse, resulting in serious bodily injury. He appealed his conviction, stating his Sixth Amendment right to a public trial had been violated and that his daughter could not be a victim of child abuse, as she was not yet born and therefore not legally a person at the time of injury. On Monday, June 1st, the Colorado Supreme Court ruled 4-3 in Colorado versus Jones, that Mr. Jones's Sixth Amendment had indeed been violated as his parents were excluded from the courtroom during the grandchildren's witness testimony. This means Jones will be granted a new trial. However, the court said he cannot be retried on the child abuse charge because the state's current child abuse statute is ambiguous when it comes to the pre-born. Well, yes, of course, it's ambiguous because unborn children are treated like non persons in our country. This is the insanity of choice. Because who actually believes this? Could you even identify one pro-choice friend in your life? Perhaps you could, but you'd probably be hard-pressed. 
to find a single pro-choice individual you know <clears throat> who actually believes that this father shouldn't be charged with child abuse or that he shouldn't suffer any type of legal punishment for shooting his preborn daughter with a gun and killing her mother <clears throat> at the same moment. So according to this man, you shoot your pregnant wife in the stomach, kill her, permanently handicap your daughter who can neither hear nor see and relies on a feeding tube. And your response is, well, sorry, judge, can't get me, can't get me on this one on putting a bullet into my baby because technically she wasn't a person in the womb. Remember Roe versus Wade, abortion's legal, it's not a person. So you can't get me on that child abuse charge. What a degenerate. If you can look at your seven-year-old daughter who can neither see nor hear because you shot her with a gun and actually believe you shouldn't be held responsible or punished for her injuries, you are the scum of the earth. This guy should be put behind bars for his entire life. <clears throat> and you're not going to believe how the defense attorneys in this case argued for Andre Jones's legal innocence for the injuries of his daughter. And unfortunately, the Colorado Supreme Court ruled in Andre Jones's favor for three that he will not be charged just specifically for the child abuse crime because his daughter wasn't a person. She was an unborn blob of tissue when she sustained the injuries, despite the fact that the sustainment of those injuries is still affecting the born her, which would insinuate what? That we're the same people now as we were in our mother's wombs. So the LifeSite news piece goes on here. It says, <clears throat> in determining whether Jones committed child abuse during the shooting, the court's majority concluded that they, quote, cannot discern the legislature's intent regarding a defendant's criminal liability under the child abuse statute for injury he caused to an unborn fetus who is later born alive with the consequences of that injury. They also declined to apply a state law that allows for prosecution of a person who injures a preborn child that survives birth and subsequently dies of prenatal injuries. Why? Because in the Jones case, the little girl lived. Oh, so if you shoot your unborn child and they live, you can get off the hook, essentially. The article continues and says, the court referred to People versus Lodge, so they're referring to a uh, prior case, to uh, argue against that he should be charged for child abuse. In that case, a division of the Colorado Court of Appeals held that the term person is used in the child abuse statute can include a fetus who is injured while in the womb, but then subsequently born and lived outside the womb and then died from the injuries sustained. So let me translate. The case being made and that was successfully made <clears throat> in getting Jones off of the child abuse criminal charge is that you can intentionally injure your preborn baby and not be charged with child abuse if they survive and have to live with the sustained injuries you gave them, which is what he did to his daughter. But if they die after birth from the injuries you gave them in the womb, then you can be charged with child abuse. <laughs> fully insane, fully insane. According to this precedent case that was used and referenced in the uh, Colorado versus Jones case, uh, the term person can include a fetus who was injured while in the womb, but then born, lived outside the womb, and then died from the injuries sustained. So if you get injured as a baby in the womb, 
for whatever reason. You're then born, you survive, and then you later die from those injuries. Oh, then the person who hurt you can be charged with child abuse. But if you live and then have to live with the injuries that you sustained in the womb, oh, then we're not going to charge the assaulter with child abuse because you lived. Fully insane. Makes absolutely no sense at all. And this raises a very interesting question. And this is what we talk about so many times on this show, is the inability for the pro-choice movement to hold a coherent, consistent position. So here's a question based off of this fully insane case of this father getting off of a child abuse charge after he shot his wife and unborn daughter with a gun. If you can be charged with child abuse in Colorado for harming your unborn child in a way that caused their death after birth, why should you be allowed to pay someone else to harm your unborn child in a way that causes their death before birth? <laughs> if you can be charged by the state Supreme Court and held legally responsible and punished for harming your unborn child in the womb and then they later die, then how is it just reproductive justice to pay someone else to harm them in the womb and then have them die in the womb through an abortion? Fully insane. How is the location of the child's death relevant to the moral and legal question of the father's actions? So if a father coerces his girlfriend or wife into getting an abortion, paying someone else to harm the child in the womb and then die in the womb, that's just reproductive health care. <laughs> But if you shoot your unborn child through your girlfriend's abdomen, leaving your daughter fully paralyzed, blind, deaf, and being fed by a feeding tube, and then they live and survive the injuries they sustained in the womb, no child abuse charge for you. Fully insane. This is, uh, th this is the pro-abortion position, that as long as you're in the womb, you're a non-person. So as long as they die in the womb, it's fine. <laughs> but if they sustain injuries in the womb, but die outside the womb, then it's not fine and you can be charged with child abuse. So does the birth canal confer personhood? <laughs> Is magical personhood conferring fairy dust sprinkled on the child during the six-inch journey through the birth canal such that the injuries they sustained in the womb and then carried with them through the birth canal to the status of infant? means that, ah, now you can be charged with injuries sustained in the womb now that they're born and if they die. But if you pay someone to sustain them injuries in the womb and then they're dismembered and murdered in the womb, then it's fine. It's just reproductive health care. Fully insane. And this gets at the strategy of the pro-abortion left and how they maintain their ideology in the face of such ludicrous contradictions, in the face of... of cases that fully illustrate the lunacy of the pro-abortion position that you can be charged with child abuse for harming your child in the womb if they're born and die later. But you're not charged with child abuse if you pay someone to kill them in the womb. So we're going to get to that strategy in just one second and how the left has been doing this strategy for decades to push their agenda, their narrative, and maintain their ideology. But before we get to that strategy, we're offering a new feature here at Unaborted. We want to hear from you. We want to get your questions about the abortion issue, about faith, about politics, about um, the church, and about how all of this relates 
to abortion. So if you have any questions or want to get them answered, anything related to what I've said or haven't said or something you'd like to hear me cover, you can email those to unaborted at sethgruber.com. That is unaborted at sethgruber.com. And we'll be right back with a whole lot more. So how does the left deal with these contradictions? These polar opposite worldviews as it pertains to the unborn child. Contradictions like you can be charged with child abuse, according to Colorado State, if you harm your unborn child in the womb and then they're born and die from those wounds. But you won't be charged with child abuse if you harm your unborn child in the womb. They're born and then they survive and live with the sustained injuries you gave them in the womb. Oh, and also it's not child abuse if you pay someone else to harm them in the womb through an abortion that leads to their murder in the womb. All of that is, is completely fine. How does the left reconcile this insanity, this lunacy, and these blatant contradictions? Well, they do what they've always done. The strategy of the left in the pro-abortion movement when it pertains to these types of irreconcilable contradictions has always been to simply filter out of sight any recognition of a separate human being bearing the injuries of choice. They simply pretend to believe that there is no child, no human being whose existence matters in the womb. They've been doing this for years, sticking their head fully in the sand and denying the existence of an objective reality that is self-evident to most people. Why? Because if they acknowledge that reality, they recognize the intellectual challenge it represents to their worldview and therefore their inability to hold together a coherent position. And I want to give you an example of a huge example coming from the White House in the 90s of this strategy of filtering out of sight any recognition of a human being whose existence matters and whose injuries they sustain through an abortion matters. This was the exact strategy adopted by Bill Clinton in 1996 when he vetoed the Partial Birth Abortion Ban Act, which later went through under Bush. But of course, no surprises to any of us, the Clinton family arguably the most pro-abortion political family in American history, vetoed the partial birth abortion ban in 1996. And just by way of reminder, okay, we've gone through what a partial birth abortion is before, but if you're just tuning into the show or you do not know, a partial birth abortion used to be a legally performed abortion procedure in the late term in which you would deliver 50% to 75% of the child feet first through the birth canal such that the torso was out and the baby's legs were flailing around, anticipating meeting their mother physically for the first time. Then the abortionist would stick scissors into the back of the baby's skull while it's in the birth canal, open those scissors and create a hole in the back of the head. Then he would stick a suction catheter machine into the back of the head and suck the baby's brains out so the cavity and skull collapses and then pull the dismembered, arguably decapitated baby out. Full-on infanticide. Half unborn, half born, and you chop their head off. It's the closest thing you could get to a French guillotine for abortion. That's a partial birth abortion. What did Bill Clinton do? Well, when the policy, or rather the bill came up to ban partial birth abortions, he simply vetoed it, allowing the partial birth abortion ban to pass and become law would have acknowledged the humanity of the child and the injuries it sustained during an abortion. 
injuries that were plainly heinous to anyone with a semi-functioning prefrontal cortex. And if the child halfway out of the birth canal is a person with value, whose murder is atrocious and indefensible, how is that same child minutes, days, or weeks before exiting the birth canal not a person with human rights? So you see, Bill Clinton had to filter out of sight and of recognition any child performed in any abortion procedure. Why? In order to maintain the coherency of the pro-choice position. Because as soon as you grant that killing that child three quarters of the way delivered is evil and wrong, it becomes morally untenable to sustain the position that it would have been okay to kill them when it was fully in the womb, in the uterus, minutes, hours, days before their birth was due. It becomes a fully untenable, evil, satanic position. So you simply filter out of sight and pretend to not see, acknowledge the existence of that child because they're not a child. They're not a person. So Bill Clinton merely repeated the Democratic Party's historical platform of defining out of existence actual humans that you don't want to acknowledge humanity to. He treats unborn children in the same ways that his party treated African Americans. Filter them out of sight. Convince yourself they're not persons. This is the same strategy the left employs today. Because acknowledging the humanity of the child, even in heinous circumstances like partial birth abortion, implodes your entire position. Because if it's wrong to kill the baby three quarters of the way out the birth canal, it's wrong to kill them a quarter of the way out the birth canal. It's wrong to kill them right before they come out of the birth canal. And if it's wrong to kill them right before they come out of the birth canal, then maybe we shouldn't be killing them in the womb at all. Hadley Arks, a professor of jurisprudence at Amherst College and the founder and director of the James Wilson Institute on Natural Rights, helps us understand Clinton's strategy here, and more broadly, the left strategy of sticking your head fully in the sand and denying the existence of any reality that might compromise the right to an abortion. Here's what Hadley Arks had to say about Bill Clinton's veto of the Partial Birth Abortion Ban Act. He said, Bill Clinton could look out on the experience of a partial birth abortion and never apparently see a child whose skull was being crushed and whose head was being collapsed as the contents of the skull were being suctioned out. That child made no impression on Clinton's visual or perceptual screen because the injuries suffered by this small being simply could not be allowed to count. Both the victims and the injuries had to be filtered out by the theory that came along with abortion rights. For that notion of rights could not be sustained while there was a recognition of a separate human being suffering injuries that were lethal. You see, acknowledging the wrong done to Andre Jones's daughter which anyone can see was wrong, including the Colorado Supreme Court judges, is an acknowledgement that it can be, it can be wrong to harm or maim children in the womb. However, such an acknowledgement calls into question the morality of every single abortion, which maims and murders preborn children. Going back to this insane Colorado Supreme Court decision, dismissing charges of child abuse, for Andre Jones because the preborn daughter he shot with a gun through his wife's abdomen was not a person. If you acknowledge that the injuries that daughter sustained 
were meaningful, were wrong, were evil, then you're insinuating that it can be wrong to harm unborn children in the womb. And what does every abortion do? Harm unborn children in the womb that ends with their death. So the left in the pro-abortion movement has been adopting the Bill Clinton strategy for decades, which is to filter out any recognition of the humanity of that child because doing so compromises your very position. If it's wrong to harm children in the womb with injuries they will carry after birth, how is it just reproductive health care to harm the same child in the womb in a way that ends with their death? That's the question for the left indeed. And it's the question that newsflash, they will not answer. And they will not engage on that moral playing field. Why? Because they recognize the danger of that discourse that might lead them to condemn a behavior we all condemn, such as partial birth abortion or shooting unborn children in the womb, and that that would lead to the consistent position that all abortions ought to be done away with. So what's the takeaway here? The takeaway is that pro-abortion activists and politicians know fully well that the unborn is a human being like you and I, but just a little bit smaller. However, any acknowledgement of that reality would spell the end of their movement and ability to turn a profit on the slaughter of children. So they twist themselves into euphemistic pretzels and insist that decapitating infants three quarters of the way out of the birth canal is reproductive health care. They insist any injuries done to the child in the womb that he or she will carry for the rest of their life were not meaningful. They didn't matter because you weren't a baby. You weren't a person when you sustained those injuries. You were just a blob of non-person tissue. And this is the same reason, by the way, that the left and the pro-abortion movement, but I repeat myself, hate abortion survivors. And if you want to hear a phenomenal conversation and interview with my friend Melissa Odin, scroll down on this podcast with the interview with Melissa Odin, the face of choice. She is one of many who survived an abortion attempt on her life and was born alive. So she goes around the world saying, if abortion is about women's rights, where the hell were mine? Abortion survivors are the greatest nightmare of the pro-abortion movement for the same reason that Andre Jones's daughter is the greatest nightmare of the pro-abortion movement. Why? Because their existence calls into question the very validity of the pro-abortion worldview. Here is a human being who suffered injuries from reproductive choice, from their mother's attempt to pursue reproductive justice. And if they were injured now and, and have to deal with the injuries they obtained during an abortion, maybe it was wrong that they were mistreated that way in the womb. But the left can't acknowledge that because that calls into question whether we should be killing any babies in the womb. So they're willing to turn a blind eye and filter out the dismembered and slaughtered human beings through abortion or those who are partially born and killed through partial birth abortion in order to maintain their perceived purity, the purity of their ideology. And we're going to get to more of the left's hatred and fear of allowing reality and truth to be given a mic because it compromises their narrative and their ability to make money on the killing of preborn babies. But first, if you like this show and want to hear more great content and commentary from the front lines of the pro-life movement and the abortion wars, consider becoming a patron of the show by going to patreon.com 
slash unaborted. And that really helps us continue doing this show. In fact, we have many excellent and wonderful things and plans in the future with more episodes, more content, and more engagement with people in the public square, bringing these ideas before the public and testing my theory that reality is self-evident for the majority of Americans who are interested in truth and not addicted to confirmation bias. And we want to bring you some of that content to encourage you and equip you to defend life as well. As Greg Cunningham once said, there are more people working full-time to kill babies than there are working full-time to save them. That's because killing babies is very profitable while saving them is very costly. It's very costly to save lives in the womb. So help us in that endeavor by becoming a patron of the show at patreon.com slash unaborted for five, 10, 15, $20 a month. And that would really mean a lot to us. We'll be right back with a whole lot more. Welcome back to Unaborted with Seth Gruber. So as I said, this is the theme of the left right now, right? This is the theme, the strategy of the pro-abortion movement. It has been for decades, but it's increasingly becoming more common because these cases continue to come up. Cases that call into question the entire narrative of choice and that make it nigh impossible to maintain the coherency of the pro-choice position when you're confronted with abortion survivors, when you're confronted with seven-year-old girls who have sustained injuries from their father shooting them in the womb. And if that's wrong, then maybe it's always wrong to harm unborn children in the womb. This is a strategy of the left to filter out the existence of the humanity of the child. And this next piece of news is gnarly and strange, but goes along with this same theme. The left's attempt to filter out reality, <laughs> their fear of reality and facts being given a platform, being given a mic that would bolster the pro-life position in the public square and call into question the validity of the pro-choice position. So apparently a Satanist in Missouri just lost a lawsuit against the state's informed consent law. And this informed consent law would have is going to require, because luckily it stood up in the court of law, that pregnant women seeking an abortion be given a booklet explaining the science of embryology, basically just the development of their child, and being shown an ultrasound prior to an abortion. Okay. Now, the mother does not have to view the ultrasound and she doesn't have to read the booklet. It's just part of the informed consent regulations that you would think anyone would support because you want women having as much information as possible, but not for the left, because that's giving a mic and a platform to ideas that the left does not want in the public square. So this Satanist from Missouri claims that being given this booklet explaining the science and being offered the opportunity to see the ultrasound of your child before an abortion is a violation of her religious beliefs, her Satanist beliefs. According to Courthouse News Service on June 9th, she goes by the name of Judy Doe in the case. A member of this satanic temple filed a lawsuit in February 2018 claiming that the state's definition of life beginning at conception violates the establishment and free exercise clauses of the First Amendment, referring to the free exercise of religion. Doe had argued in her complaint that an unborn child is not viable as defined by Missouri law is just tissue under her religious beliefs. She said she, quote, makes decisions regarding her health based on the best scientific understanding of the world. Uh -huh. 
even if the science does not comport with the religious or political beliefs of others. The woman further asserted that her, quote, body is inviolable and the subject of her will alone. And that, quote, she alone decides whether to remove the tissue from her inviolable body. <laughs> okay, well, there's no surprise this woman is a Satanist. Clearly, she views herself as her own mini-god, and the child in her womb is not a child. See, the existence of that child has to be filtered out by the theory that comes along with abortion rights. That it's not a child, it's just tissue in her religious opinion. And so the fact that the state of Missouri is saying, well, we want you to know the scientific evidence and we want you to have the opportunity to see your child before an abortion, that is a violation of her religious rights and religious freedom because she doesn't like the position that the state of Missouri is pushing that aligns with the objective science of embryology. <laughs> so a couple observations here. This Satanist says, according to her religious beliefs, the unborn child is just tissue prior to viability, right? That's what she says. If your religious beliefs say that human biology is false and a lie, then you can't demand that the state dismiss objective science in favor of your religious belief. <laughs> if that is a religious belief that the child prior to viability is just tissue, then you can't expect or demand that the state adopt your religious view because according to your own standard, that would be a violation of religious freedoms. So ironically, while appealing to religious freedom in her lawsuit – in order to keep pregnant women from learning biological facts prior to an abortion, this Satanist actually expects the state to favor her specific religious belief, science be damned. Another second observation here is this is a very strange thing about this case. No one is actually threatening her ability to get an abortion or threatening to remove her right, she says, to decide to remove the tissue from my inviolable body. But the way that her lawsuit is framed and the case that she's making based off of religious freedom, you would think that her, quote unquote, abortion rights were being taken from her, right? She says, I alone decide whether to remove the tissue from my inviolable body and that her body is inviolable and subject to her will alone. The insinuation is that there's some type of threat to remove her will, her bodily autonomy. But there's not at all. There's not at all in this case. The case simply says that prior to an abortion, abortion providers are required to give the woman a booklet on the science of embryology and the development of the child. And she give them the opportunity to view an ultrasound. But guess what? They don't have to read the booklet. The abortionist doesn't read it to her. They just give it to her. And she can close her eyes or turn away from the ultrasound. She doesn't have to view the ultrasound. The informed consent law merely required the transfer of information in written and visual form, which the pregnant woman can freely decide to read or not or view or not. <laughs> so no one's even threatening to take away her legal right to an abortion. So here's the game. Here's the game. Label any dissenting position that contradicts the progressive creed as extreme political or religious interference. Why? Because as long as the opponents of abortion, us, are allowed to spread their ideas and the evidence of their position through embryology and ultrasonography, there will always be a constant threat to the abortion rights movement and their ability to increase abortions. Why? Because reality tends to be self-evident. And if the pro-life movement is given a voice and a protected voice in the public square to share their beliefs – 
and bolster it with evidence. That might mean a decrease in the abortions and a threat to the abortion industry. So that's the game. Label any dissenting position from the progressive creed as extreme political or religious interference and appeal to the religious freedom clause to attempt to make that case. And here it is. This is what the defense attorney for this Satanist said. He said, the state has no business telling people what to believe. Mac Nowton said in an interview, the state has no business telling us that life begins at conception. We can decide that for ourselves. <laughs> so you see, embryology facts which support the pro-life position now represent political interference. Not because the, the state is pushing any certain religion. Not because the state is abusing the Satanist religious freedom, just because that's what the science says. But her attorney here says that the state has no business telling us that life begins at conception. We can decide that for ourselves. Uh, well, newsflash attorney Mac Nowton, that's exactly what state gov gov the state governments do through public schools when they teach human biology. Because every biology textbook teaches that human life begins at the moment of conception. But of course, he doesn't have any problem with that. He just has a problem with the state telling people that life begins at conception, merely affirming biological realities in this circumstance because it's a circumstance in which a woman might choose to not get an abortion. And very likely, he is in Planned Parenthood or the abortion industry's pocket anyways. This is the game, right? He goes on to say it violates the Establishment Clause because it adopts the Catholic dogma that life begins at conception, the attorney said in an interview. Oh, so there is no objective reality. There is no scientific reality that we can know. And if you happen to not like the findings of science, then you can just label them as Catholic dogma so you can dismiss them from reasonable discourse in the public square. How convenient for you. See, this is the game. Just label anything you don't like coming from the other side of the aisle as political or religious interference. So if the Catholic Church merely recognizes embryology, they just recognize science, which is supposed to be the capital G God of the left, right? Transgenderism, pro-science. And abortion, pro-science. And when the Catholic Church acknowledges the science of life in the womb— then this attorney and this Satanist just label the state of Missouri as having adopted the Catholic religion and imposing it on women. So therefore, this is religious interference as opposed to Missouri State just saying this is what the science teaches. It's informed consent. Just like the four Colorado Supreme Court judges, this Satanist and her defense team simply filter out of sight any recognition of a separate human being in the womb. What's more, they demand that Missouri State also filter out that information from pregnant women prior to an abortion. It's all about maintaining their ideology and their ability to function as a movement that profits off of the killing of children. Isn't it ironic, by the way, that a movement represented by the word choice always leaps at the opportunity to prevent pregnant women seeking an abortion access to the information needed to make an informed choice. And the pro-abortion movement has always done this. Anytime, any state, anywhere in the country attempts to pass informed consent laws, there's an ACLU lawsuit. There's a Planned Parenthood lawsuit claiming that this is political interference in the doctor-patient relationship. Interesting. For a movement that's based on the word choice, 
you're pretty opposed to any type of information that goes along with making informed choices, you know, like relevant information you would want to know before you make the decision to pay someone to scrape out the lining of your uterus and dismember your child in turn. Unbelievable. How should we understand this denial of objective reality and the uncontested findings of embryology? Because that's what they're contesting, right? Remember, the defense attorney for Miss Satanist said, quote, the state has no business telling us that life begins at conception. We can decide that for ourselves. We can invent our own reality. <laughs> we can invent narratives and facts that fit our narrative and call it science. It doesn't matter that the objective science of embryology runs counter to the pro-choice position. We can decide that for ourselves. We can just invent our own reality. This is simply the blossoming of bad ideas that have been watered and entertained for decades. Namely, that truth and reality itself is merely clay to be molded to your liking. And nowhere was this made more clear or more apparent than Justice Anthony Kennedy's authoring of the Planned Parenthood v. Casey decision in 1992, which was the ultimate jurisprudential peak of relativism in America, where defending abortion and further enshrining abortion rights, Supreme Court Justice Anthony Kennedy said, at the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. At the heart of liberty is the right to define your own reality. <laughs> To define your version of truth to fit your more comfortable lifestyle. The contradiction in Kennedy's denial of objective reality, however, is plain. It's obvious. It self-implodes. Because what if my right to define my concept of human life in the universe is the opposite of your reality? What if at the heart of liberty, I define my own reality in a way that is starkly opposed to Justice Anthony Kennedy's def uh, defining of reality, then who's right? Was there any reality or truth attached to Anthony Kennedy? Or was his ruling in Planned Parenthood v. Casey merely an example of him defining his own concept of meaning and the human life? And if it was, then why should I or anyone else respect his ruling, especially if it is at odds with my concept of meaning in the human life? <laughs> This is relativism, right? This is the bastard child of postmodernism, that there is no objective truth. Everything's subjective. You can just pick up truth like clay and just make whatever you want out of it to fit your personal and political goals or preferences. And this postmodern denial of objective reality was already fully realized in the minds of justices like Kennedy by the end of the 20th century, because Planned Parenthood v. Casey was decided in 1992. We're now nearly 30 years removed from the Kennedy's fantasy view of truth in Planned Parenthood v. Casey. And so whether it's a Satanist, Marxist, or even progressive Christian today, this relativism, this view of truth has become the dominant worldview of a disturbing amount of millennials and Gen Xers alike. The irony, however, of this relativism, this idea that all truth is personal and you can just kind of invent it yourself, is 
clearly wholly embraced by this Satanist. And yet the irony is this. If reality itself is purely individualistic and we have the right to define reality for ourselves, then how can you insist that these Missouri legislators are wrong to insert their understanding of reality into legislation to provide scientific information to pregnant women before an abortion? If all truth is relative, and you can define your own version of reality and the mystery of the universe and human life, then how can this Satanist or any other pro-choice advocate adequately accuse Missouri legislators for acting out of their understanding of reality and the mystery of human life when they insist that pregnant women before getting an abortion ought to be given scientific biological evidence and be given the opportunity to see an ultrasound. Suggesting that they are wrong to do that assumes there is an objective standard by which to judge right and wrong. But newsflash, you abandon any such standard when you said, quote, we decide for ourselves when human life begins. <laughs> right? That's what this Satanist attorney said. The state doesn't get to tell people when human life begins. We decide that for ourselves. At the heart of liberty is our ability to define reality, to define human life and the mystery of the universe to fit our own political ends. Well, if that's true, you have removed the intellectual basis by which to accuse the other person of doing something wrong because they're just living out of their own personally defined and molded version of truth. What did this Satanist lawsuit against the Missouri Informed Consent Law really mean? Because it didn't really limit a woman's access to abortion, remember? There, there was nothing that banned abortion. It was just the transfer of information. So what is this Satanist lawsuit against the Missouri's Informed Consent Law really mean? What does it reveal? I think it reveals two things. It firstly reveals that reality is self-evident. Most people who aren't addicted to ideology and confirmation bias will recognize objective reality. And ultrasonography reveals the reality of the child in the womb for the human being that they are. When you see the child in the womb, you don't need to offer any other argument against abortion. It's like Caitlin Flanagan, a pro-choice woman who writes for The Atlantic once said, the argument against abortion doesn't even take a single word. The argument against it is a picture. And then abortion protests itself. So that's the first thing that this failed lawsuit, thank God, reveals, is that reality is self-evident. The second thing it reveals is that pro-abortion advocates, whether Satanists or not, know fully well that they defend killing human beings. And if the humanity of that child is described in words or revealed in pictures, their narrative will crumble into pieces and the pro-life movement will win. Right? Because these laws were not restricting a woman's right to get an abortion whatsoever. It was just relaying information. It was sharing reality, objective reality, not the kind of reality that Anthony Kennedy thinks exists in our minds like clay, but objective reality. These people are the antithesis of the three wise monkeys maxim, right? Hear no evil, see no evil, speak no evil. Rather, it's see, it's see no truth, hear no truth. Filter out 
of your line of sight and your hearing, anything that might call into question the ideology of choice. Refuse to look at and acknowledge the evil done to Andre Jones's daughter. Plug your ears so you don't have to hear the science behind the unborn child's development. Close your eyes to the child on the ultrasound screen. And don't let any other women do that. So they'll insist that Missouri State also filter out that information from women seeking an abortion because it might mean that they'll choose life, which compromises the ability of the abortion industry to turn a profit. Filter out of sight any recognition of the reality that abortion wounds and kills little human beings. This is the game. Because once you acknowledge the reality and allow Andre Jones to be charged with child abuse or allow pregnant women seeking abortions to see their child and learn about the child's humanity, the only logically consistent position will be to protect every unborn child. Thankfully, we have reality on our side, don't we? It is not difficult to make the case for life, to make the case for the pro-life position. Because while it can entail many words, the case against abortion, it doesn't have to. The case against abortion can simply be a picture, reality, evidence of the reality and humanity of the child in the womb, the very reality that the pro-abortion movement has been working overtime for decades to filter out of their minds so they don't have to come to terms with what they support and filter out of the minds of the American public that they've been propagandizing through the mainstream media for nigh on 50 years that abortion is just reproductive health care and women's rights. But reality is the greatest enemy of the left, and it's our greatest tool to make our case in the public square. Make that case with me, engage with me, and let's expose the pro-choice movement for the frauds that they are, for the enemies of human equality that they are, and for the enemies of the unborn child that they are by merely showing who the child is, citing the evidence, and teaming up with reality. Well, thanks for joining me today. Head on over to iTunes and YouTube. Give the show a rating and review. Again, it really helps us reach more people. And please share this with a friend as well. Maybe someone who's sort of on the fence as it pertains to the issue of abortion so they can think deeper about these ideas. And really, as we talked about, the inability of the pro-choice movement to reconcile their positions, to hold a coherent position. If you want to learn more and engage with me online, head on over to sethgruber.com, S-E-T-H-G-R-U-B as in baby boy, E-R.com to view my speaking schedule, to sign up for my newsletter, to engage with me online. Follow me on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, Twitter if you want to get more pro-life content and stay informed on the front lines of the abortion wars. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber and this is Unaborted.